Section 2 of The Ring and the Book, An Interpretation by Francis Bickford Hornbrook This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 The Story The story which forms the basis of The Ring and the Book is brief and simple. Pietro and Violante Comparini, a middle-aged married couple, lived in Rome. They were nor low in the social scale, nor yet too high, nor poor nor richer than comports with ease. Only a child was needed to make them perfectly contented with their lot. They longed for one, not merely to gratify the natural desire of their hearts, but also because they did not wish to have their little property go to unknown relatives, as it would if they died childless. At last a child was born, and named Pompilia, who remained with Pietro and Violante until she was thirteen years old. At that time, the Abate Paolo asked Violante for her as a wife for his brother, Count Guido Franceschini, a member of one of the noblest families in Arezzo, in Tuscany. Guido had been, for thirty years, a hanger-on of one of the cardinals in Rome, in the hope of obtaining place and fortune. Violante was, naturally enough, much flattered by the prospect of having a nobleman for a son-in-law. But Pietro, her husband, made inquiries among his acquaintances. They told him that although Guido was a real count, he was just the heir to the stubble once a cornfield and brick-heap where used to be a dwelling-place, now burned. Upon this, he refused to consider him as a husband for his daughter. Violante, however, was determined to have her way, and so, without Pietro's knowledge, she took Pompilia to the church of San Lorenzo and had her married to Count Guido. When this had been done, and could not be undone, Pietro, though with an aching heart, consented to it. He entered into an arrangement that he and his wife should live in Arezzo, together with Guido, Pompilia, and Guido's mother and brother Girolamo. In return for their maintenance during their lives, the little property was, on their death, to go to Guido. But the plan did not work well. The parents were unhappy in their new home, and at the end of four months left Arezzo to live, as best they could, at Rome. Nor was that all. Soon afterwards, in the holy year or jubilee, Violante confessed to the priest, who was vested by the Pope with special power of absolution, that Pompilia was not her own child, but the chance birth of a nameless drab. Pietro, learning this, saw an opportunity to escape payment of the dowry or the fulfilment of any agreement which had been made. If Pompilia was not his own child, he was not bound to pay anything. Guido, on his part, maintained that the story of Pompilia's birth was a lie, told to disgrace him and to deprive him of his right to the dowry. The court at Rome tried the case between them, and decided that while Pompilia was not the real child of Pietro and Violante, the dowry ought to be paid. This decision suited neither party, and the case was continued for further investigation. While this legal contest was going on, the life of Pompilia in Arezzo became so unbearable that one night she fled from the place in company with a young canon of the church 
by the name of Giuseppe Caponsacchi. The two had almost reached Rome when they were overtaken by Guido at an inn of Castelnuovo. After a stormy scene, the priest, according to his right, appealed to the court at Rome to try his case. The court there heard the statements submitted to them and gave a decision, which, trying to suit all, really satisfied none. Caponsacchi was sent for a year to live in Civitavecchia. Compilia was consigned to the care of the convertite nuns, whose special office was the care of fallen women. Later still, she was placed in the care of her reputed parents. At the same time, Guido was not allowed the divorce which he sought. In a few months, Pompilia gave birth to a son, whom she named Gaetano. When Guido heard of this, he went with four of his retainers to Rome, where, on a night soon after the Christmas of 1697, entering the home of Pietro and Violante, he killed them, and, as he thought, Pompilia with them. He then attempted to escape from the papal territory into Tuscany, where he would have been secure from all interference. But before he could reach the boundary, he was overtaken, arrested, and brought to trial for murder. His defence was that the conduct of his wife justified his deed, and that Pietro and Violante deserved death because they had aided and abetted her in it. The court, however, refused to accept his plea, and sentenced him to be beheaded and his four companions to be hanged. But the case did not end here. Guido, because he had taken some minor orders in the church, and so might be called an ecclesiastic, made an appeal to the Pope, in the hope that he might see some reason to acquit him. Instead of this, the Pope rejected his appeal, confirmed the decision of the court, and ordered the immediate execution of him and his companions. End of section 2